everyone, and welcome to Community Conversations, where we talk with members of the PH community about how they manage their daily lives while also managing their PH. Today, we'll be chatting with Dr. Guy Winch, a renowned clinical psychologist and expert in the science of emotional health, along with PH caregivers John and Tracy. They'll be discussing how to manage the stress that comes from having a loved one with PH, as well as being a caregiver to them. Each of our panelists has agreed to participate because of their passion for helping others in the PH community. We are, however, required to disclose that each was compensated by Apellus Pharmaceuticals for their time preparing for and participating in this discussion. Dr. Witch, I'll hand it over to you now. Thanks for that very kind introduction. And thank you to our guests today, John and Tracy, for taking the time to speak with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here today. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me involved. Stress is a normal part of life, and we all deal with it in different ways. As caregivers, you have an extra layer of stress you carry around. Let's talk a little bit about how you deal with that, how you strengthen your resiliency, and how you find support when you need it most. Speaking about stress, how do you manage the stress that really inevitably comes from not only having a loved one with PNH and worrying about them, but really being a primary caregiver uh, for them, and in your case, a mother as well? Well, um, that is something that I'm learning and obviously developing every day. Um, I, my, one of the things that I like to do is I commute. So I have about a, anywhere from 30 minute to an hour commute. And I've taken to listening to podcasts and I love podcasts. And, you know, I, it just kind of helps me um, get my mind in a, in a different place. Um, you know, not dealing with work, not dealing with just stresses of life. It's just, you know, it's just kind of like watching a great TV show that, that um, you don't have to think about. So I can just drive and be in traffic. Traffic doesn't even bother me because I'm into the podcast that I'm listening to. Or sometimes I'll phone um, a friend that I haven't talked to in a long time mm -hmm. or call my mom or my sister and kind of catch up. Um, so I do that. And then also um, I have my little list of things that I like to do for myself. I love to go outside and walk my dog or read outside or, um, go get a pedicure or I have friends that I call. I have my best friend actually lives pretty close and I can call her and um, she would at the drop of a hat, go for a walk with me or go get a glass of wine or a cup of coffee. So I have my little list of things mm. that um, I do that help me, um, uh, you know, just release some stress, I guess. There's something that you just kind of threw it out, but it's so, so useful and important. I'm going to really, I want to emphasize it. You said, I have my little list of things that I do. <laughs> Having a list of things that you know you enjoy that help balance stress because you can listen to the podcast, you can call a friend, you can walk the dog. And, and you said list, I really encourage people to create a list. And actually I encourage everyone, regardless of whether you're a caregiver or not to create a list like that, because it's a great go-to when you're feeling stressed, like, all right, so I can listen to this podcast. I can do this. I can do, even knowing that you have a list of things that kind of relax you, um, I think is super important. And I also think, you know, uh, commuting, one of the 
disadvantages disadvantages of commuting is you have to commute. Mm-hmm. One of the advantages is that on that commute, you can really de-stress from work life and transition by listening to music, by doing things that are absorbing and that shift your mindset from that work mode to a home and personal mode and, and to a relaxing and de-stressing mode. And so I think that it's a great opportunity to use a commute to de-stress in that way. And again, I love the idea of having a list of activities that counterbalance stress. I really encourage everyone to do that. Um, John, what about you? How do you manage stress? So I'm pretty similar, actually. I have my own little list, but um, one of the big things that I do is uh, I like to work on cars. So I race cars um, on my time off. It's one of my hobbies. So my biggest thing is to have a hobby. Um, Any kind of hobby helps with stress. Um, Everybody has different types of hobbies. Some people like to draw. I like to work on cars. So anytime I'm stressed out, I'll just go out in my garage, work on my car for a little bit. Um, and then obviously on weekends, we go away racing and stuff like that sometimes. So that's a big thing. Um, if you could focus on anything, you know what I mean? It just, when you're focused on something, it takes your mind off of any kind of stress that you have. So especially at work or even with Aaron with the P&H stuff, um, when I'm very stressed, just to take my mind off it. You know what I mean? I get involved in building something on a car or anything like that. So. So that's great. And you said actually two things I want to emphasize because one of them is really, really, really important. Both are important. But one of them I really want to emphasize because it's, it's very, very smart. And that is that we, you know, when you're focused on something, especially if it's something that's pleasurable, like a hobby or a passion, we have limited amount of bandwidth. And so when we're focused on something, we do not have enough bandwidth left over to start thinking about the stuff that stresses us or that we're worried about because we're too absorbed, especially if it's an active focus. An active focus, like watching TV, not active enough, you can, your mind can wander. But when you're, certainly when you're racing a car at high speed, you're, you're quite focused, I hope. And, but even yeah. when, you're, you're, when you're doing anything with your hands, truly, you, you, you actually have to be quite focused. And when you're pursuing any kind of passion, you're usually in it and you're into it. So that takes the focus. That focus is really refreshing because it prevents you from thinking about stressful stuff. So that's a really smart um, uh, piece of advice there that you have. And the other thing that, that, I, that you mentioned that I want to emphasize is, again, this thing about working with your hands. There's something very ancestral for us, you know, as once hunter-gatherers, that, you know, the, the berry picking, the hunting, the, you know, making of tools and that kind of thing. It, it, it feels very absorbing when you can do something with your hands. And so certainly like playing football or even video games, you're active with your hands. And so it can be drawing, as you said, writing, gardening, all those things are great stress relievers. And especially if you enjoy them and they, and they absorb you. Um, and doing that also will help you switch gears. Uh, mentally and 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 get sometimes into a state of flow a state of flow is one in which you kind of lose touch with a sense of time and you know you're just so focused that suddenly you lift your head up and you're like oh wow it's been an hour I didn't even realize those are really good states of mind to be in they almost like reset the brain in certain ways and kind of you come out of that feeling refreshed sometimes even though you just concentrated hard for an hour and you can literally feel even more refreshed when you're done because of that state of flow, uh, we call it. So um, brings me to my next question. John, I'm going to stay with you here. Um, in addition to managing stress, how do you maintain the resiliency that you have? 
so just me in general, my whole life, um, every time, even with the racing stuff, if I have a bad race or something like that, I just have, I try to have a positive outlook. Um, so even everything with Erin, with P&H, uh, she's having a bad day. Uh, I try to look to the future. So I tell her, listen, today's a bad day, but tomorrow's going to be a great day. So, um, and then also I try to put a, a timeline on stuff. So if somebody is, if she's having a bad day, um, I'll say, listen, uh, like she had a gallbladder taken out. She had a couple bad days. I said, all right, well, you have a couple bad days. As doctor said, you should start feeling better in a week. So always look to the future um, just to keep that positive going. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think, I think look, I think you're a great cheerleader, Jordan. And I think there's this, <laughs> uh, there's this system to it. And the system to it is it's a two-pronged system. It's one, yes, you can be empathetic and you can be compassionate when somebody is in distress physically, emotionally, what have you. But there's also a place to say, to put it in context and to give it perspective. And I love that device of giving it, um, you know, a time uh, limit, like reminding her, like you said, the doctor said you'll be feeling better in a week. So even though you're feeling bad now, there's just a countdown. So you just have to get through today and then get through another day. And soon that week will be happening. And that's a great reminder because when we're feeling um, either in pain or in distress or in discomfort, it's it's difficult to remember that what it's like when we don't feel that way. When you're, for example, um, extremely hungry, it's difficult to remember what it felt like to feel full because viscerally we tend to be so focused on those strong emotions. And so reminding someone that it will get better. You just it's just a matter of time. I, I think it's it's a great psychological device to kind of put it in context and give it perspective. It's just very difficult right now. It will get better, and I do think those things. Um, uh, uh, are very useful uh, for people. Tracy, what about you? What's um, your approach to staying resilient? I sort of feel the same as John. I feel like I'm the cheerleader a lot. Um, I just remind Jillian, just like I have to remind myself that, you know, we've been through a lot, but we've got through all of our bad days. We've made it through all of them. And, and um, you know, we've come so far as a family with everything that we've had to deal with. So I, I'm just constantly reminding everyone that, you know, we'll get through it. It's just a bad day. Just like John, it's one day, the next day could be great. And a lot of times it is, we celebrate small victories. We, um, uh, we don't talk about the what ifs. That's I think the most important thing. What if this medication doesn't work or what if, you know, tomorrow, you know, I'm going to get really sick. I, I want to go to this place, but what if something happens and I'm not going to be able to go? I just don't let her do that. I, you know, I'll say, well, if it, if that happens, then that happens and we'll deal with it just like we've dealt with everything else that's come our way so far. So I guess in that respect, I am the cheerleader, just always trying to stay positive because, you know, it's, that's a big rabbit hole. Those, those what ifs, right? right? That's a big rabbit hole. So I just don't even want to go that way. Just we'll take it as it comes and we'll deal with it just like we have. And, and we're uh, still here. <laughs> yes. And, and, and I want to point something out for everyone here that um, when we talk about building resiliency, um, how do we build resiliency? Well, there, there are two ingredients to that. First of all, it's about getting through hardship because that's what builds resiliency. You can't do it on spec. You know, you have to like get through a challenge, get through hardship. It's not enough though 
to get through the hardship or to get through the challenge. And this is the key thing that you keep pointing out, uh, Tracy, which I think is so important. You have to acknowledge to yourself that you got through it. For example, if there are two people and one of them says, this was really, really, really hard. It was really difficult, period. And the other one says, this was really, really hard. It was really, really difficult, but I got through it. That second person is going to build way more resilience than the first. Because resilience come from knowing that you've survived stuff, from knowing that you can get through stuff. And so that reminder, as you say, like, we've gotten through stuff before. You know, remember, even though it's hard, you can get through it is super, super important. And coupled with when you say, okay, if it's a bad day, if you're having a bad day, if you can't do the thing, you won't be able to do the thing. There's no point in dwelling on that now, because by dwelling on it, you're actually making yourself more sensitized to it. So you're almost like increasing the stakes. So what if I can't do this thing? And it's almost like, I really must do this thing. And you're reminded like, if you have a bad day, you have a bad day. So there'll be certain things you miss. And there's a certain acceptance in that. And when you have PNH, there has to be a certain acceptance that you cannot predict that you'll be able to do something in a week. You can hope and you can assume, but you can't guarantee it. And so remembering that, hopefully, but there'll be some things that won't work out. And then you'll just do them another time or you'll get through them. And those two reminders, I think, are really important for resiliency because there's an acceptance there and there's a really banking on getting through the former challenges and the former difficulties and even the former episodes of pain. I know it's terrible, but you've gotten through it before. And when people are in distress, they need those reminders. And so caregivers can do a great job by offering those reminders because you can't argue with that. Like, and that's so it's, it's very affirming. And I think it's, it's, uh, it's very important. And I think for caregivers, like managing stress and cultivating a sense of resiliency is truly critically important because you have more challenge and you have more stress than somebody who's not in that role and doesn't have a loved one in that role and doesn't have you in the caregiving role. So you're building life skills, which are going to serve you, not just in your role as a caregiver, but truly in, in life in general. Resilience is resilience. It doesn't, it's not case specific. If you have it, if you got through one hardship, you can remind yourself that you get through hardship. It doesn't matter what that hardship is. It's a trying time, a stressful time. You got through it. I think we're just about out of time for today, Dr. Winch. Uh, it seems we are. Thank you. And thank you all for joining us. Tracy and John, thank you for your insights. I think the PNH community will find these tips useful regardless of whether they're caregivers. And if you'd like to hear from others in the PNH community or learn more tips and tricks from Dr. Winch, be sure to visit our website at thisispnh.com. We're always adding new resources, video and audio clips, so check back regularly, and thanks for joining us.